what's happening, everyone? So I am here with Valerie Wilson of MMGY Wagstaff. Val, you've been so helpful in getting Corner Table Talk here. I appreciate that. I want to check in with you and just see how you're doing. I mean, the awards are getting ready to start upstairs. Got the auditorium is full. How are you feeling? You're so calm. What's going on? I'm feeling great. You know, I feel like I'm a veteran of this uh, program. So it just all feels like when I'm here, it's definitely going to come together. I feel like I have an A-team that supports. And I think it's going to be a wonderful night celebrating all these nominees and winners. Now, once everyone's in and seated and the production has kind of started, do you relax a little bit or is there still just more, you know, anticipation for what's about to happen? Well, now we're in the press room and we're just getting started. And once the winners start coming in, this is going to be just as lively as that red carpet was. So it's like phases, right? Phase one, we did the carpet. Now we're in the press room. And then afterwards, festivities start. So we're just beginning. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to hold you. I know you have a lot of work to do. We wanted to thank you. I know you've been a guest on our program, and here yeah. we are in Chicago. Well, thank I you so much. I am so thrilled that you guys are here. This is so, like, very important to me, so I'm really happy. Um, and I hope you guys have a great night. Yeah, thank you. We're really grateful to you. Thanks, Val. Enjoy Absolutely. your evening. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Corner Table Talk, live here in the lovely city of Chicago, the 2023 James Beard Awards. And I am with the Southwest Chef winner, Andrew Black. Yes. Man, what's going on? You just won Woo. a big award. Yes, yes. How you feeling? A dream come through, excited, proud of my team, mm -hmm. proud of James Beard for recognizing all the way down in Oklahoma and absolutely proud of Oklahoma City because we were on the brink of failing. The city stepped in and said, no, you're not gonna fail. We're behind you. So is, is this Gray Sweater that you're referring to, yes, the restaurant? Yes, the okay. restaurant Gray yeah. Sweater. Yeah, yeah, we're a tasting menu okay. located in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. We do offer two-tier menus, seven, mm -hmm. seven and ten course. Mm -hmm. Our niche is that we source ingredients from around the world seven days a week. We're currently in 18 countries. And so we don't flip our seats. We only serve 40 guests a night. We don't flip it. When you make a reservation, we call you and interview you first before you come and dine with us. And the kitchen is inside the restaurant. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, we have to pause yeah. on that for a minute. Chef, tell me about the interview process, well, man. Well, here's How does the that, thing. What, what, what was the inspiration for that? And tell because me about the process. Because I wanted to go above and beyond. I give an experience along with food. And it had to go places that nobody else was going. I'll give you an example. A lady called and make a reservation. And she said, I got married in Germany. And we have the ghost whisper and they're taking notes. She said, I have this wine, I have that beer. She showed up for a reservation. We had the exact wine, the exact beer. She just started crying. Okay. It's so, the level so the, of... The interview process is really more yes. to tune yourself in to the guests. Yes. What they enjoy, their yes. likes, dislikes. Oh, yeah. okay. And, you okay. know, we ask them this question that they always like, huh? Where was that? What kind of night, what kind of journey you want to create tonight? And we had a guy once said, I'm coming on a blind date with this lady, and I want to feel like a star. And I said, we got you. So he showed up, we put a bottle of wine, and said, sir, this is the bottle of wine you've ordered from Bangladesh, wherever. Right. Put it this way, they're married now with a kid. <laughs> 
Well done. Yeah, well done, chef. So it's the process. Most people might say, what makes my restaurant better from others? I always said, anyone can cook. It's the will to get up and be better today than yesterday. Oh, yeah. Consistently. Yeah. Most people get annoyed by telling somebody the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. I wake up to make sure it's done over and over to reach the perfection of excellence. Now, this sounds impressive for one restaurant, but Chef Andrew Black, you're not just a one restaurant no, chef. No. Talk about you have some other concepts. So I have man. another one, it's called Black Walnut. My name is Andrew Black, and it's located on 4th and Walnut. So only a door separate these two restaurants, Gracewood and Black Walnut. Mm -hmm. And when I went over there to open this restaurant, I was, at the time, I'm just trying to open great restaurant to give it to a place where all gender, color, and race can work. But I found out it's a historic community. And that's where Martin Luther King preaches first sermon. Mm. So the restaurant is this neighborhood, vibrant restaurant that easily could have located in New York or Chicago or anywhere. It's a bit loud and vibrant and food, and it's based on your mood. Because when you wake up tomorrow, you're gonna ask yourself, what am I in the mood for? Do I need scrambled egg and potatoes or do I need to just get lunch? So I found out that we needed to do a restaurant that based on people mood. Do you want something salty, roast, light, fresh? And that's how the menu is designed. Wow. You know? I love that, man. I and love then that. there's a gilded acorn. I was in um, New York about four years ago and I passed by Tiffany and I said, what if there was a restaurant that embodies Tiffany where everything is gifted? So I hope in a French patisserie called the Gilded Acorn, where everything is kind of gift. You know, your croissants, you your muffins. Yeah, the, no, it went the, green. You went green. It went green. <laughs> and they just film a move in there because it look, it just fit the space and the time. So we're grateful. Okay. Yeah. Chef Black, I have to ask you, you know, your, your spirit man is just infectious. This is my Thank first you. time meeting you, but you, you really, you have this presence about you. And, you know, part of the James Beard Award is recognizing chefs who impact their community in a broad way. I do believe that restaurants have a role to play in society. Yes. How do you see that expanded platform that you're now giving? So I'll tell you this. Before I received this James Beard, I used to go on my phone and I would call up people that have received James Beard already. And I'd email, I'd do everything. And I never got a call back. But I knew they were busy. I never held it against anyone. All I was trying to do is to get help to raise money to help the charity that I support and beloved so much, Freedom City Kids. So I am very involved and a pusher to help kids in need. These are kids that need after school care, summer care, before school care, a guidance to show them and help them to go out in the world. And it's all color, gender, race, everyone is accepted. And I know that this James Beard is only gonna create a vessel where I now have access to get them better help because that's what I'm about and that's what it's about. We are all better yeah. for it that you have the yeah. proverbial microphone. Yeah. So after the things settle down tonight, after the party, and right. we all go out and have some fun yeah. and hoop it up a little bit, you go home, it's quiet, 
in that moment of solitude, man, who are you going to thank? Who are you going to look to and, and give gratitude to? I think I'm going to thank more than anything the ones who came and the ones that didn't believe in us. Because here's why. Those are the people that make you stronger if you have a good mindset. If you're focused and driven and you have good faith, those are the ones that's going to drive you. Your friends are sometimes going to tell you what you want to hear because they're afraid to. Mm -hmm. But the ones who tell you you're never going to make it, the ones who said you're tweezer picker, pretentious, you got to thank those people. Because you got to be strong to wake up the next day and be better than yesterday. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to reach out to them and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You remember that day you quit? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. You remember that day you run out the restaurant and said, I'm not paying? Thank you. You did me a favor. Yes. yes. I have a friend that has a, a great saying. He says, a knock ain't nothing but a boost. There you go. Right? There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, man, I born in Jamaica, grew up in my grandmother, East Indian, dirt floor. No running water, no electricity. When I left home very young, my dad said to me, be honest, be fair, be firm. Look around, all we have is love for each other. No matter what's going on in the world, stay true to yourself. That's how I've lived my life, all my life. Yes, I've lived my life all like well, that. I have to say, man, I love the path that you're Thank on. You. Yeah, keep your voice out there, man. Thank we you, need man. to hear from We're you. We're going to do big things. I believe that. Stay in touch. Yes, love it, sir. Man. Thank there you. you Congratulations. Go. Thank you so much. Yes, my Such pleasure. Such a pleasure. I am here with Kaylee, who is representing the Manskis, who just won pastry. Yes. Best pastry of the year, right? Isn't that exciting? Crazy. Yeah, it's so you ran up so there and gave a little speech. Yeah, I did. I yeah. tried. So tell Here me about are. your experience with the Manskis. <laughs> what was that experience like yeah, for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I started working with the Manskis back in 2016, 2017 um, as their pastry girl. So I would just sell those croissants behind a cute little counter, that very famous, well-known counter that's filled with 200-plus pastries every day, but specifically Saturdays and Sundays. It's, like, really overflowing. So in 2017, and then fell in love with who they are as people. Like, yes, they're impeccable chefs and they have amazing track records, uh, but these people tuck their kids into bed every single night, get them off to school every single morning while running six restaurants in the Los Angeles area and 17 in the Philippines. Um, and that kind of balance, dedication, and heart for what they do is why I was like, I'm with you all forever, yeah, man. Yeah. Put me what, wherever you need me. So, I mean, you kind of described it, but what would you say is the magic of Republic? The space is amazing. The oh service gosh. is incredible. The food, I mean, it's got everything. But tell me from your perspective what you think makes that room just click. It's going to be corny, but it is the love that is poured into every ounce of the dish that's presented to you. Um, yes, the food is remarkable, but their skill and their talent is beyond. But they're also really incredible teachers. And so, so Chef Marge and Walter can't be at every uh, restaurant 24 hours a day, right? But they they bring in people from all over the world to learn um, and are just as impeccable at their craft. Like, they are people who see hungry, excited, young chefs and want them to soar and open up their own stuff later on down the line. And, and Chef Walter and Marge know how to curate that really, really well um, right. and give them the tools to soar. And you can taste it in the food. Honestly. You certainly can. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. 
So you were in L.A. for a long time. You're a native of Chicago. Yes, we're back sir. in Chicago now. Yes, so how does sir. it feel to you to be home? I'm happy. I miss some Lou Malnati's deep dish, buttercrust, pizza. Okay, L.A., I love a kale salad and, like, a big fan of the L.A. food scene for sure. But there's nothing like Chicago deep dish, baby. Like, yeah. woo, so what's so next for you? Great question. Um, we're going to go celebrate. We're going to go celebrate at Union Station. We're going to go bring this home back to Chef Walter and Marge. Yeah. And we're going to cheers. Oh, great. <laughs> so we'll tell the Manskis Brad said hello I'd and wish him the best. And Kaylee, so nice to meet you. It was great yeah, to meet thank you guys. You. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Kaylee. Yep. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Welcome back, everyone. We are here at the 2023 James Beard Awards. Humanitarian of the Year has been awarded to Olivia Watkins and Karen Washington, Black Farmers Fund. So before we get into anything, I just want to check in. How you guys doing? How you feeling? On cloud nine, elated. Yeah. Very honored and humbled. So Olivia, you're an impact investor, right? That's what I read about you. So what, what exactly does that mean? What do you look to do? Yeah, so you know, I think traditionally when people think about finance, they think about how can you make the most money that you possibly can. But oftentimes that comes at a detriment to communities and the environment. And impact investing is thinking about how can you use money as a tool to create change in the environment and in communities. So with Black Farmer Fund, we're using capital as that tool to build community health in Black communities. You know, I looked at your website and some of the beautiful, smiling, happy faces of the people that you are helping. How do you how do you measure success? What's the metric by which you say this is working the way that we want it to? Yeah, I think we measure in a lot of different ways, mainly qualitatively. We love hearing the stories of the farmers that we work with, and we love hearing how facilitating spaces for them to thrive and giving them access to capital is changing their lives. So we've heard stories about how at community gatherings and community work days, people make business-to-business -business connections and are doing deals together, um, receiving mentorship support and advice from one another. And then with the financing, being able to provide a farmer a loan and a grant that was quoted a 12% interest rate from another bank. Hearing those stories is really what, what success means to us. Would, would you still agree? Karen? Without a doubt. And also building community. We have really started a huge community in the New York State area. And hopefully we're going to be branching out to more Northeast. And I think when you see success is... This family that we're building, this family that's building it, that's trusting the way that we're doing finance in a way that no other institution has done in the past. Mm -hmm. So we're New Yorkers, but I don't typically think of New York farming. I mean, I know upstate they have apples, you know, but you don't really think of the Northeast as a place where farming is happening. But this is where you decided to make a go of it. So uh, tell me about that. I think it takes also the fact that one thing about New Yorkers is that we are very proactive. We're out there, we're community organizers, we're activists. So it's not just about farming, we take it to another level mm -hmm. to make sure people understand what's happening and make people accountable mm -hmm. for what is not happening. So farming is known to be hard work, right? I mean, that's not, I mean, people always say, oh, the restaurant business is hard. Farming is hard. What's the, what's the biggest challenge that you face in getting the, the, the attention or the support that you need? Where, where do you find your challenges? Yeah, so being a farmer in the, uh, previously and then moving into finance, 
I think the biggest challenge that we see is that there are not a lot of other financial institutions out there that are willing to, you know, think about the risk management and shift it from what's the risk of investing in this business to what's the risk of not investing in this business. So what's going to happen if we don't support this business? It would be our dream to have other financial organizations on that same page because it would open up so much capital for farmers. And I think we're seeing a lot of farmers are struggling with accessing land, equipment. Yeah, I think people really don't understand the urgency of the plight of the black farmer. We only own 1% of land here in America. You know, we're disappearing and I think that hopefully from the work that we're doing, we're sounding the alarm like, look, you know, we're Americans, you know, we've been here, we were brought here because of our knowledge of agriculture. And now it's time for people to step up, not to be afraid of investing in people of color and black communities, because at the end of the day, it's about feeding all Americans. So. Yeah. I want to I want to um, read something that I took from your website that I you know just kind of really touched me. You said, "quote Black Farmer Fund was formed out of a series of conversations among black farmers in the Northeast who were seeking capital that did not replicate the discriminatory and predatory lending practices that have been driving black farmers and land stewards off their land for over a century." Stewarding land may feel distant to some, but simply put, a land steward is someone who cares for the land. Whether we are actively caring for the land or not, we are all connected to it. I mean, there's so much in that statement to me, and there's, there's a bit of a reparation, you know, payback. I mean, this was a crime committed. You're doing your part to, to give it back. But there's also a sense of well-being that I got from it. I mean, we're talking about stewardship of the land. What more organic need do we have than to take care of this, the very land that we stand on? What, what are your thoughts about any of that? You know, when I go around the country and I talk, because we talk with, with so much emphasis on ownership. And I tell people, we don't live long enough to own anything. So how can we say, instead of owning it, that we can be stewards of the land and caretakers of the land? Because then you see the longevity in it. Because you're caring for the land, you're, you're stewarding the land. And so when you get people to sort of focus on that, then it's powerful. We also work a lot with an organization called Northeast Farmers of Color Land Trust. And they're a BIPOC-led land trust that works to give land back to indigenous communities, help BIPOC individuals purchase land, and work around stewarding the land for environmental benefit. And so the stewardship piece is really, you know, us being in solidarity with organizations like NIFO who are working on the ground to right some of the wrongs that have happened in, you know, land theft and also theft of labor from African slaves. And so, you know, I think not only is it, you know, getting food to people's plates, but also doing it in a way that's not extracted, doing it in a way that's going to heal the relationship and the trauma, because there's a lot of trauma. You know, the idea, just the, the word stewardship suggests that we don't really own anything, right? This is all temporary. Right. But we're taking care of it so that there's something to pass on to yes. the next generation. Exactly. That, that's really what we're talking about yes. here, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, in terms of how we evaluate the different businesses, one of the things that we look for, especially with the farmers, is if they're practicing regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. So 
are they doing things like adding compost back into the soil versus letting the soil erode away? Are they mitigating their water conservation so that way we can keep water for generations to come? Are they doing other practices that are contributing to the benefit of pollinators? Are they planting pollinator gardens? You know, it may not necessarily make them money, but pollinators are a very, very important part of the food system. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we um, we opened up a small restaurant in South Los Angeles called Post and Beam, and the news media referred to the part of South LA that we were located in as a food desert. And I'd never heard that term and never really thought about it. You know, but we know the prominence of liquor stores and check cashing places in our neighborhoods. And I know you work with restaurant tours. What way do you see integrating some of what you do to help restaurant tours kind of drive this message? that you're trying to deliver? So we don't we don't quote our area as food deserts, so we coined the term food apartheid mm -hmm. so that we can get people to understand the food system and its complexities um, based on where you live, based on the color of your skin, how much money you make. But also we're trying to get chefs to understand the food system in a way that's more equitable. We go to a lot of the chefs and a lot of businesses to ask, are you supporting BIPOC? Farmers, how are you treating your laborers? We all make up this complex food system. And so when a certain part is missing, that should be questioned. And hopefully chefs are now understanding that there are black and BIPOC farmers out there that they can reach out to that have significant varieties of vegetables based on cultural and ethnicity, which is really, really important. So, a lot of excitement. We hear all the noise in the background. You two are, I'm sure, as you said, on, on cloud nine. You're going to go to a party afterwards. But when things settle down tonight and you're home and it's quiet, what are you, what are you thankful for? What are you most thankful for? I'm so thankful for the team at Black Farmer Fund. We're a team of 11, and it's all individuals who are incredibly passionate and committed about the work. They care about the farmers, they care about the team, and they work so hard to make this happen. We really wouldn't be here without them, and so I'm just so grateful. They're all holding it down right now as we're here at this award show. Yes, to the Black Farmer Fund team that continues to um, do the work. Uh, but also our ancestors. So when I go home, I'm going to thank the ancestors on whose shoulders we stand. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. We just want to convey the message to continue to do the work, to continue to be seen and heard. Because, um, you know, this story that I talked about is American story. It's American history. And I don't want people to ever forget that. Where can we find you? Tell folks where they can find you. So our website is www.blackfarmerfund.org and we're on Instagram Twitter at blackfarmerfund. And support us with donations and funding. <laughs> Heard that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Quarantine Talk. What a pleasure. Humanitarian of the Year Award. Thank you. Yeah, such a pleasure. Thank, Thank you so much. Yep. What's happening, everyone? Here at the uh, 2023 James Yard Awards with the Emerging Chef winner, Damar. What's happening, man? Damar Brown from Virtue. Now, Virtue is here in Chicago, man. We had dinner there on Saturday night. The food was exceptional. But first and foremost, how you feeling, man? Congratulations. Uh, I feel great. I'm, I'm still <laughs> vibrating right now. Um, it's an amazing feeling. 
Yeah, who are you here with? Who are you celebrating with? Uh, my, my girlfriend's here, some of my team from Virtue is here, um, which is pretty much my family, so I, I got family surrounding me. Good, man. So, we know that restaurant work is no joke. You, you have to put in the work, man. So, tell me what the journey has been like for you to this point. Uh, you know, it, it's been long. I started um, at MK Restaurant 13 years ago, uh, which Chef Eric Williams was a chef at at that point. I was around 18, 19 years old. I stayed there for seven years, so I grew up in that restaurant. Um, after that, I started working for the Linear Group at Royster. Uh, spent two years there as a sous chef and, and really continued to hone my craft. Um, some point, Chef said that he was going to open Virtue, and I, I came back home pretty much. So um, we got the band back together. The entire management team at Virtue Restaurant has been working together for over a decade. Um, and, and we're just doing what we know how to do. I'll tell you, man, it shows. You know, we went in, as I said, on Saturday night, and just the continuity, the flow of service, the menu, the execution, every dish that we had, the mac and cheese, we had crawfish and shrimp, the grits were outstanding. So I mean, everything was just on the money. I know you're just processing this, but what impact would you like this to have on your career, this Emerging Chef Award from James Beard? This is a pretty big deal. Um, I just look at it as if I can do it, that someone else can. Um, as I mentioned, my team, they show up every day. And they work really, really hard, right? We have good days, we have bad days. Today's a really good day. Um, and it, it just, it's a pat on the back for them, right? Because they, they helped me achieve this. And I think that it just brings more attention to the South Side. Um, and I, I keep saying this, come and see, right? I think there's a lot of, a lot of myths and weird beliefs about the South Side and being dangerous and being this and being that. Uh, but what I notice is when I'm talking to the dining room, people are like, oh, it's beautiful. I never come down here. So I tell everyone, come and see. Yeah, I, I would recommend that too. You know, the location, the corner, the building is beautiful, man. I mean, the, the ceilings, the windows, I mean, the decor just feels right. I can't imagine that that would be a part of town that folks wouldn't want to venture into. But as you mentioned, the South Side has had, you know, some bumps and bruises along the way. But you guys are leading the way for a new South Side, wouldn't you say? Uh, I think we're, we're, we're joining the race. Um, I don't, some might look at us as leaders, uh, but we're just trying to do our part. And I think, uh, you know, all of Chicago has had some bumps and bruises, but the thing about Chicago is really resilient, and, and Chicago supports Chicago. So I, I just kind of believe in the whole unity of it. Um, and I, I think that's the mission, you know? Yeah, nice, man. So, Emerging Chef suggests that you have a lot of windshield, a lot in front of you, more so than, than rear view. What do, you, what do you hope to accomplish as you look down the road, man? What's, what, what goals would you have in mind for the future? Um, at some point, I want to own my own space, right? I'm not in necessarily a rush or anything. Uh, and I want to continue to cook food that I believe in and, and do my culture proud, right? Um, I've been running for a long time. I don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. And I'm really excited for what's to come. Yeah. Where do you find the inspiration, man, to, to do the work that you do on a daily basis? What what lifts you up? What inspires you? Uh, I was raised by three women, uh, my mother my and my grandmother. Um, they all worked. They all cooked. Uh, they were all involved in the community. Um, they were all involved in the church. And I, I'm literally doing what I saw them do. Some of the same things that people are celebrating right now are things that I celebrated at my kitchen table when I was a kid. So I'm doing what I was taught to do. Yeah, it's, it's just so inspiring, man, to see our cuisine get lifted up 
in the way that, that you all are presenting it. You know, it's authentic. It's not trying to be something that it's not, but yet it's elevated at the same time, man. And it just takes the experience to a different level. I have to commend you. Thank you. I know you mentioned Chef Eric Williams on the stage. Would you consider him a mentor? Yeah, Chef is like my big brother. He's been a great example for me. I've worked in a few kitchens, and, and my family in those kitchens have really inspired me and pushed me to grow. My team, those who are, you know, behind me in years or in front of me in years, I, I find inspiration in all of them. Um, and really the community, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the love that I feel in Hyde Park, that, that mm -hmm. sense of community. Um, I really saw it in the pandemic. You know, they were really helpful to the restaurant, just being supportive of us. And that just makes me want to keep going. So things quiet down for you later this evening, man, and you have a little moment to yourself. Who, who are you going to thank? Um, I'm going to thank the same people I thanked on stage. I'm going to thank God because it's a blessing. Um, we're we're going to have a party later with the team, and we're, we're going to celebrate each other. So I'm looking forward to it. Jamar Brown, congratulations, man. This is such a great honor. Thank really you. appreciate you stopping by Corner Table Talk and talking with me for a few minutes, man. Thanks Enjoy for having the rest me. of your night. Welcome back, everyone. We are at the 2023 James Beard Awards in Chicago, the lovely city of Chicago. Corner Table Talk, and I am here with the outstanding restaurant tour for 2023, Ellen Yen of High Street Hospitality. Ellen, congratulations. Thank you so much. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Thank yeah. you. How are you feeling? Uh, well, I'm still in shock. My <laughs> heart has finally you know, my blood pressure was probably racing for the last 35 minutes or so. It's an amazing honor, really. Who did you come here with? We have four restaurants in Philadelphia, and two people from each of my restaurants accompanied me, as well as my partner, Eli Culp, and my significant other, Wayne. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. That's Thank lovely. You. So, you know, I say that restaurant tours are under-celebrated. You know, we, we hear about chefs and celebrity chefs and Rightfully so, they're an important part of our industry, of course. But I like the idea of celebrating the restaurant tour. It's a major accomplishment, a well-earned acknowledgement for you. What's the journey been like for you to this point? Right, well, uh, this industry has come a long way since I started uh, 25 years ago. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary at Fork, our flagship. Congratulations. Thank you. But back then, restaurant tours may be the maitre d' or maybe they were the mom and pop of the restaurant. As time has evolved and the culinary industry in general has become far more sophisticated, I think that the business of operating restaurants has equally become as important. And especially during the pandemic, you were no longer just a maitre d' or a leader even. You were a frontline worker, you were a community activist, you were a lobbyist. You were all these things that had to help move the industry forward. And I think that the role of the restaurateur is more relevant than ever. I'd agree, I'd agree. A lot of people have fantasies and they think our business is very glamorous and it looks like fun. I know a lot of people, so I wanna open a restaurant, but there's a lot of risk and you know, there's also a lot of reward, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're lucky enough to stick around for a little while. What's the most rewarding aspect of the business for you? The most rewarding aspect is for sure the people. And when I say the people, of course, customers enjoying and celebrating many special occasions and birthdays and anniversaries, but also the people who come through my door, whether they are teenagers, whether they are students wanting to become 
actors or they are professionals or they are budgeting chefs or restaurateurs themselves, seeing them come in and take something positive away from that experience is the most rewarding thing. And I don't expect everyone to stay with me, but I do want to have an impact on people's lives. As you just alluded to, people that we get to work for us, they don't always make it a career, right? They're with us for maybe a short period of time. But I've noticed, Ellen, and I wonder if you have, that the people that excel at anything that they do are the ones that are gonna succeed. Mm -hmm. the, the busser that takes it seriously, mm -hmm. the server that takes it seriously, the, the host that takes it seriously, mm -hmm. that does the job and performs at a certain level. Those are the people that go on and succeed in life. What, what's been your experience that way with having, with teaching being a big part of what you do and what you offer? Well, so many people start their careers in life or their, their first work experience is often in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important to teach great habits from the very beginning, whether that's just being on time, um, fulfilling what you say you're going to do, having integrity, all those things are so important to succeed in life. And that's why I think that working in a restaurant is so underrated in general. It's so important. These communication skills, life skills are vital to everyone's success. In considering this award, James Beard mentions as part of their statement, a restaurateur who uses their establishment or establishments in your case, as a vehicle for building community, demonstrates creativity and entrepreneurship and integrity in restaurant operations. Vehicle for building community, creativity in entrepreneurship and integrity in operations. Can you take any one of those or all of those and just give me an idea of how you apply that in your business? Well, when I opened in Philadelphia Fork 25 years ago, the, the restaurant community was a completely different animal. It was smaller than it is today. And I think that the community building part of it is seeing neighborhoods where maybe there was nothing happening and seeing positive economic development happen. Now, of course, there's positives and negatives of everything. Some people would say, you know, maybe that there's gentrification or whatever. But ultimately, I think the community part of it is helping others improve their lives. Sometimes that is improving the community right outside the restaurant, making it safer, making it cleaner, making it cared for, making the people in the communities have jobs. I mean, all those small things help create uh, community development. Absolutely. So along the way, Ellen, did you have a mentor or someone whose footsteps you followed? I've been very, very fortunate to have a lot of mentorship and support, and hopefully I can pay it back. That's one of the things actually that I'm very passionate about is mentoring women. And so I hope that I can be a mentor to other women through our organization, Sisterly Love Collective. I love that. So you kind of answered my next question, but if you don't mind, I think restaurateurs have a unique view into society. And, you know, given the discord, all of the news, if you tune into it and you worry about the direction of the country or whatever your concerns might be, what do you think the role is that the restaurateur can play in bringing communities together? Connection, for sure, connection. It's being an active member of the community, knowing people, being able to connect them with each other. Sometimes this person doesn't know that person. Making an intro to give an opportunity to somebody. All those things, I think, really are the behind the scenes components that restaurateurs do that people don't even 
don't even think about. Right, right. So you're going to go to a party. you got bunch of people here with you. You're going to celebrate a little bit tonight, I presume? Absolutely. I can't wait to go to Union Station and eat because I didn't eat for many hours now. <laughs> then we won't keep you much longer, but I'm curious, when you, when you get back to the room wherever you're staying or you have a quiet moment and a chance to kind of absorb what's just happened, what are you most grateful for? I am absolutely most grateful for the people who have supported me, my immediate team, who I just love them. They are like family to me. Their belief in me gives me the strength to stand up there <laughs> in front of thousands of people and, and not freak out. So, <laughs> Ellen Yin, Outstanding Restaurateur, James Beard, 2023. It's really an honor to sit with you and meet you. I have a lot of admiration for you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. We are here at Corner Table Talk at the 2023 James Beard Awards in Chicago with Best New Restaurant winner Gregory Gordet for Khan in Portland, Oregon. What's happening, man? Hello, Happy, hello. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank How you, you so feeling? much. I feel very elated. It's been a very, very long road to get here. Thinking back to just construction and walking around an empty space in like November with like a big coat on wondering how I was gonna pay for all this stuff. And then here we are, many months later, with an amazing team, tons of happy guests, thousands of people have come through our doors, and tonight we have a James Beard Award. How about that, man? <laughs> so Gregory, let me ask you, man. I mean, we're, we're coming out of a pandemic, you know, very shaky time for the world, but yes. clearly, but for the hospitality in, industry in particular, you open a new restaurant, man, yeah. on the heels of that. So tell me about what spoke to you about the building, the space, when you saw it? What made you say, this is where I'm ready to spend my time? We didn't want to design a pandemic restaurant. We wanted to listen to the values of the changes that needed to happen. We wanted to design like one of the best restaurants in the world, and one of the most beautiful restaurants in the world. Um, we found a freestanding building in a cool part of town. It's an intersection of a bunch of different neighborhoods in Portland. And I just wanted to lean into wood and nature and natural materials to kind of represent where we were in the world. Awesome. So, you know, we hear so much from coast to coast about the shortage of labor, mm -hmm. but you had a fantastic turnout, you say, for when you were hiring. Yes. Why do you think that was? We were just coming out of the pandemic and we were offering something big, something different. A lot of people were attracted to the restaurant because we were doing a different type of cuisine. People were attracted to the restaurant because there's a lot of women's leadership in the kitchen. And we just kind of wanted to do things differently. We talked about it. Mm -hmm. And I think people were ready to jump on board and be a part of something big. I have a track record that proves I dream big. And I love having big teams around me who can support me. And I support them. Yeah. Now, I know you've worked with some big names in the industry. I think John George. Yes. Right? Yes. So, Gregory, tell me about the concept food-wise. It's hard to be unique these days, but, but talk it to is. me a little bit it's about the menu. It's hard to be unique, but like at the same time, you know, uh, what we do is we're, we're serving something that's underserved in its country. Mm -hmm. You know, Haitian cuisine is very underserved in America. There's definitely an element of Haitian culture being misunderstood, mm -hmm. but there's just also a lack of education on what Haiti has contributed to the world in terms of being the world's first black republic, the first movement to be successful, to free themselves from enslavement. The Haitian liberation influenced liberation around the world. Barbecue originated in Haiti. There's so much about Haiti that we just don't know. And to be able to have Khan and to share those bits of history and culture with our guests is ex extremely important to me. I'm coming to Khan. What's something that I absolutely have to have? Yeah, man? so there's the griot, which is the national dish of Haiti. It's twice cooked pork. It's served with fried plantains mm -hmm. and pique 
leaves, which is a spicy Haitian pickle. We have our plantain buns, which are a signature. And then we have a uh, beef short rib that's rubbed in a Haitian coffee. It's smoked for 12 hours, kind of leaning into that origination of barbecue mm -hmm. starting in Haiti with the native Tayano people. That sounds wonderful, man. <laughs> so part of the criteria that James Beard evaluates when thinking about awarding what you just received is the, the broader voice to the community that you now have, the platform that you have and how you speak to them. Clearly, you're a spokesperson for Haiti and the culture, but how do you see the elevated platform that you now have given this, or the James Beard Award? I mean, people are really gonna be checking for you now, but what's the responsibility that comes with that? I think just being an owner operator or a chef in today's world comes with a lot of responsibility. People's livelihoods are at stake. It's really up to us to change our industry for the better because so many issues still plague our industry, even post-pandemic, post-reckoning. I know every day is not perfect, but every day I'm surrounded by people that tell us what they need. I'm surrounded by people who want to fix things. And I wake up every day super excited to be able to go in and really listen to my team and just try to be a part of changing of our culture. Being an owner-operator, you have to be in service to your team 24 7 mm -hmm. like that can never change these people are trusting us with their livelihood with their growth with their development of their artistry their development of just being a human in this world being a young person in the workforce we have to lead as owners and operators and chefs in all these fields and that that job never stops that's right Gregory I think I kind of hear you saying something too I mean we've always understood the mantra the customer's always right but I think we've sometimes done that at the neglect of the people that we need to empower and take care of as part of our team. That sounds like it's kind of your ethos. Oh, then. I mean, listen, I want to give great hospitality. We all do. But we definitely have part of our ethos where we do question our guests because we have to have boundaries in place to protect ourselves. Coming out of the pandemic, it's important that we teach people how to be diners. People need to understand how much it actually costs to pay the staff, to pay for ingredients. Everything that we purchase with your meal has to pay for so much more than just the ingredients on the plate. If you're late for your reservation, that throws things off. If your party size changes, that throws things off. It is a business and it's a very tight numbers game. Mm -hmm. Profit margins in restaurants are tiny, no matter how busy they are. So we are very much in a place where, you know, honestly, the customer may not be right, but it's our job to guide them as gracefully as possible with these boundaries that we have in place so that the team and the guests all have a holistic, wonderful experience. Restaurant Tour 101 for you young folks out there that are thinking about opening a restaurant. Some very important lessons just laid down there. So I know you brought a crew here, but the folks back in Portland, man, have got to be thrilled. What do you say to the, to the guests that have been supporting you, the patrons that have oh, become man. regular customers? I mean, we're just so grateful. I mean, the restaurant is like, we're, we're so grateful the restaurant is busy, but we're so grateful that people keep keep coming to the restaurant because you can go anywhere in Portland. You, like People keep flying in. Like literally every day, people fly in to dine with us. And especially in this world and age where there's so many options around the country in everyone's neighborhood, we're just eternally grateful for our loyal guests that have helped us get here today. Yeah. It's a big night, man. You're yes. going to celebrate. Thank you all so for much. It. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> looking forward to partying afterwards. Thank but you. before I let you go, yeah. it gets quiet when you get yeah. back to the room, wherever yeah. you're staying, man. Yeah. You had that moment of solitude. What are you most thankful for? Um, I'm thankful for my team. Uh, this is very much a team project. I really wanted this award because I really wanted to show that 
teamwork does lead to great things. And my team has been beside me from day one, and we're all on stage together, and this award is for them. Man, what an exciting guy. Gregory Gordet, Con Restaurant, Portland, Oregon, Corner Table Talk here with my man, the winner. Thank you, brother. Thank you for joining me. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. I am here with Chef JP from Atomics Restaurant in New York City. He just won Best Chef New York State. We are at the 2023 James Beard Awards. You got the medal around your neck. You're looking handsome. You got the great suit on. This is a really exciting moment <laughs> for you. Tell me how you're feeling. Uh, of course, it's feel amazing because uh, I never thought I'm going to be won this kind of amazing award on the restaurant because I moved to New York about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's me and Elia from Korea and I barely speak English and of course I know about how to cook but so only language I can do show to the New York diner is my food. So recognition of the, this like beautiful award is means a lot to me and our team as well. I bet. Now I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in New York. I was born and raised in New York City. New York is a serious food town. Yes. And you are the best new chef here. So tell me how that, I mean, you, you must have some places that you admire, some people that you admire, but what a great feeling this must be to, to be elevated in this way. Tell me about that. Oh, of course, like I started cooking in Korea. I used to working at the restaurant called the Jungsik in Korea. While I'm there working at there, I always dreamed about, you know, Thomas Keller or Daniel and Zhang George is like kind of pioneer of the New York fine dining scene. Mm-hmm. So I was always reading their cookbook and dreamed about New York City one day. And I finally landing about 10 years ago and start building my things in the New York City with my small team. But now we have the full restaurant and then we have almost like 200 employees. So we kind of growing up in the last eight years, like really quickly, so I'm very thankful. So tell me about your path. You said you've been in New York for 10 years. Where did you start? What was your first job there? Uh, I work in a restaurant called the Jungsik in Korea. Mm-hmm. And the chef is actually opened the Jungsik in New York about like 12 years ago. And then he called me like, oh, would you like to come to New York to cook together? Like, why not, chef? You know, <laughs> so I joined the Jungsik in New York about 10 years ago. And I working as head chef at Jungsik in about three years. And then I opened my own place about eight years ago. So you're 30th and Park, you yeah. said, right? Yeah. So what was it about the space, the building that made you think, this is the place I want my restaurant? Aromex location is very special for me because uh, that is like old townhouse. It doesn't look like the last from last room. Even the second floor and third floor is like residency. So we located in the first floor. It looks like just like beautiful townhouse. But I want to always like want to building my restaurant, not like on the corner of the glass building or something more kind of intimate mm-hmm. more kind of something special so when i first time founded that location this is a kind of dreaming location that i'm looking for so we signed the lease it's actually a very small restaurant we only have 14 seats so it's kind of you counter sitting and people are sitting at the 14 seat can diner and we're serving the tasting menu so about the 11 course menu is a fine dining restaurant i see so with the pandemic hopefully behind us, it had to have been a difficult time. What did you do to get by during the, the pandemic? Uh, during the pandemic, it's definitely first challenging about keep our 
team together mm-hmm. as a tie because uh, you know the government is asking about uh, closing the restaurant or if you want to open it you can do the outdoor dining but uh, our restaurant format is not really welcoming for the outdoor dining so we try to find out what's the best option we can do so we try to do set up like little kind of delivery system and we also doing some kind of subscription menu to our regular as well and so we try to do ourselves as much as possible and of course that's helping us a lot so chef one of the criteria for the james beard awards is how you impact your community around you what's important to you about the voice that you now have giving an elevated platform you're going to be people are going to be looking to you to have an impact what do you what do you think about that position as a chef? i mean of course uh, as i'm immigration you know i moved to new york even when i started at 30 my my new york life is started when i was 30 so it's like even though as an adult it's not easy to you know settle down to new york but new york is actually welcoming me a lot as a chef as a like in a person so i mean if you do yourself as a like the you know show who you are as a food, as a like, you know, in the, as a restaurant. I think the New York is always welcoming that. So try to find out who you are, like what kind of food is like show to the people. Always like keep thinking about that on this kind of good advice for them. So when you go home tonight and it's quiet and you have a chance to kind of settle down and you think what you're grateful for, what are you most grateful for? Of course, I'm very thankful about my parents first, you know, because they always supporting me about choosing the, my career as a cook, and always they're like supporting me because move to New York is as a like other, it's not easy decision, but they always supporting me a lot, and then they always like pray for me and then my business as well. So of course I'm going to be calling my parents after this. And of course, also very thanks for about my team. So I might be going to call it to my team, the video call, right, to right. celebration together. That's fantastic, Chef JP, Atomics Restaurant, New York City, best chef. Congratulations, man! Thank what you a so wonderful much. honor, and thank you for spending some time. With us. Thank you. So the final award of the night is perhaps the biggest award of the night. Outstanding chef here at the James Beard Awards 2023 in Chicago, beautiful city of Chicago. It's been a lovely time, been a great time. And I'm sitting here with Rob Rupa, Oyster Oyster, Washington, D.C. You, my friend, outstanding chef, James Beard 2023. How you feeling, man? Electric. Uh, <laughs> You're so calm. Yeah, I'm still. Well, I feel like the alarm clock is going to go off in a few minutes and I'm going to wake up. <laughs> none of this happened. Yeah, this yeah, didn't happen. None of this happened. So, Rob, who did you bring here to celebrate with, man? Um, my business you? partner, mm-hmm. my wife came with me, uh, my sister flew out for this, and then a bunch of other friends were just here for the awards as well. So, yeah, it's been really great. Yeah. So, tell us about Oyster Oyster. Tell us about the concept. Yeah, so Oyster Oyster is rooted in sustainability. About six years ago, after cooking for about 16 years at that point I realized our food systems were were kind of messed up and, and really strange and um, I wanted to see some change so I, I left my job that I had at the time and started developing this restaurant that was about sustainability from the ground up I switched to a vegetarian diet right away like cold turkey um, started looking in the 
what would make the world a better place from just not just our food and what's on the plate, but also how we treat our staffs and what that life is like. I mean, I remember working 18 hour shifts and it's, it's not long, it's not sustainable in that way. So we want to develop a culture that was sustainable for the next generation of cooks as well. You know, that's, that's kind of emerged through some of the conversations that we've had today. I mean, we come from an industry where obviously in hospitality, we're taking care of the guests. That's a given. Yeah. But I think we've done that in the past, neglecting our staff and the people that Absolutely. we need to support us and that we need to support. And you kind of adopt that philosophy that we've got to find a way to, to address the staff's needs too. Talk about that a little bit, how you approach that. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things for us was just like looking at What's expected of the, the individual, right? And like, what are the kind of things we could strip away that aren't really necessary? We all hate brunch. We're like, we're gonna close Sundays and Mondays because a lot of people in this industry, their, their partner is not in the industry and they need a day with them for sure. So that was one thing being five days. Giving everyone two weeks off where we close the restaurant, we pay them for that. And it's just like, nobody's thinking about the restaurant, right? Like you just get to go. Normally it's like, well, I gotta know who's covering my shift and like you're on vacation but you're worried about the restaurant. We've kind of broken down the barriers of front of the house and back of the house. The cooks on the team will run food as well. They'll help polish glassware. The servers will kind of jump in and help us with things if we need like, can you help put this produce away or pick some herbs for us? And we're all part of one tipping gratuity system where our cooks are getting paid correctly for what they're worth. It's really awful, like you'd have a very busy night when I, when I came up and you'd do like 500 covers and be working your ass off and then find out that the server walked out with like $1,000 and you made your same hourly wage. Like, That's that, the troublesome just, inequity in yeah, our business. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. And we just wanted to change that so everyone is valued and appreciated at the restaurant it's really important to us and just like making a good culture where we are like a fine dining restaurant we do do a tasting menu but we're laughing and cracking jokes during service and we're interacting with our guests and we're making it really like this community experience rather than like you have to be very stern and, and look like a robot while you're cooking and just kind of like we can all be human beings and still do this right what a great approach so, Rob, I've seen a lot, you probably have too, where certain establishments now are adding a subcharge on the bottom of your check of 3.5% in some cases for health care and for staff. Are you doing that or, or are you finding other ways to compensate? You mentioned a shared gratuity amongst back of house. Is yeah, that so we do a service fee that goes directly to anybody who's hourly on our team there. Um, but for, for health insurance, it's something that we, we already paid into. I think the early days of the pandemic gave us time to kind of, since we couldn't open, we couldn't get our permits. It was like this awful mess, but there's a lot of beauty in it. We got time to like reflect and look back and be like, what are some of the principles we want to provide for our staff right off the bat? And one of those was like, make sure they had health insurance, making sure they were like, they needed things or continued education would be like things that we could contribute to for individuals. So, I mean, as a chef, I mean, I've worked with many. I know the kind of hours that you put in. How do you find the time to work this kind of culture and philosophy into the business and still do your job and not be asleep at the wheel? I mean, it's, you're talking about a, a kind of a holistic approach here. How, yeah. how do you manage that? Just take care of myself too, you know, and, and think about what's important to me. It's the way we've developed our hours too. Everyone comes in around 1230 or one o'clock. Our last seating's at 830. I mean, time we're all cleaned up. Our, our cooks are home by 
10.30, 11 o'clock if we're like hanging around, talking shop or something, but kind of creating a culture where we can develop a system where I guess they sit between 5 and 6.30 and then they sit again at 7.45 to 8.30. We have two seatings that are very controlled. We know how many guests are coming in. There's a lot of communication throughout that. And the biggest thing for me is not having an ego and giving trust to the team. Like, I believe in you, believe in me, and we're all going to work together. Well, that comes across, man. I just met you, and you have a very natural, kind of easy, humble appeal. Now that you're a big James Beard winner, that might be a little different, but nah. how do you keep that ego in check? We're all human beings, and I remember being screamed at and having things thrown at me as a young cook and never wanting to be that person. And I've not always been the best person, but it's now I feel like I'm in a place where I'm very happy with who I am and, and I'm very happy with what I have and I know that if I don't take care of my staff and I don't treat them with dignity and humility that it's going to fall apart, right? And then I'm just going to be frustrated and the guest is going to sense that and the whole thing's going to crumble. So it's like an ecosystem, right? So we just have to be calm, cool, collected and treat each other with respect. It's more about leadership and, and doing that with uh, I don't know what's the right word to put this. I'm not trying to be commanding. I'm not trying to be demanding of my staff. I'm just the one that helped guide them and give them the right decisions because I've made a lot of the wrong decisions, right? That's a good way to learn, though. You know, a part of the ethos in the James Beard select, selection process is, quote, a chef who sets high culinary standards and has served as a positive example for other food professionals while contributing positively to their broader community. Chefs' profiles continue to, to rise. I mean, how do you feel now about kind of a larger platform maybe that you might have as a result of, of winning this award? What's, what's a message that you want to continue to amplify a bit? Yeah, I mean, persistence pays off. Doing the right thing pays off. The work I'm doing now and very late in my career is the most meaningful things I've ever done. I think being a part of your community is really important. Like you can think about these awards and these accolades, but if that's your focus, you're not you're not going to be sitting here talking to someone like you after an award because you're going to be chasing something that you can't reach. You got to be doing some real real work that matters in, in life and, and think about that. Are, are you really happy with what you're doing? And if you were to look back at this 50 years from now at your career, were you doing something meaningful or were you just chasing a dream, the carrot dangling in front of you, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, clearly we're, you know, we're not curing cancer, but I think restaurants do play an important role in society and community. What do you think as a chef in, is a unique ability that, uh, that we have as restaurant folks, hospitality folks, to bring communities together in kind of a time of such discord and political acrimony and all of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we have a fantastic role here. Um, it's a place where people celebrate milestones and important things. And even if they're having a kind of bad day or an off day, it's somewhere where they can come and have some escapism and we can give them something that brings joy. I mean, it's this innate thing that we need to eat, right? We need to be nourished, but having someone else do that for you is like the true luxury. Like forget caviar, foie gras, truffles, like the real luxury is that a group of human beings wake up and their deliberate purpose is to serve you food that day and, and give you hospitality. And that's like so beautiful, right? So I think that's really powerful and, and it makes people understand to be a little more selfless in life. Love that. So you're gonna go out, hang out tonight, have a good time, party a little bit, but at some point, hopefully you get a little quiet time, a little downtime. 
What are you going to be most grateful for when you have that moment to reflect? <sighs> that the sacrifices I've made through my career and the times where I could have chose money over maybe doing something meaningful has, has paid off and that um, I'm headed in the right direction and just to keep doing, doing things the way I'm doing it and just try not to change too much, right? Well, I would say you're headed in the right direction. Rob Ruber, best chef. 2023 James Beard. Congratulations, man. Thank you Thank for you. spending some time with us. Thank you. That's great. Appreciate it.